<laughs> Lisa in trouble, huh? The ironing is delicious. The word is irony. Huh? Don't you think there's something weird going on here? We spent all day selecting fabric swatches, and then our guest speaker was Phil from marketing. All I know is I'm getting straight A's, and that ain't not bad. <laughs> That's not funny! Huh? Well? Four-finger discount, dude! Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF07. It is Grift of the Magi. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Hello there, everyone. How are you? We're having a very early Christmas. Not quite Christmas in July. Christmas in, where are we? May? I've lost May. all track of time, Dando. Oh, Sorry, mate. Mate. It feels like February, doesn't it? It's just because all the shit went down in like late Feb, early March, and then time has just stopped. I haven't reached the stage where I've lost track of the days. I mean, there will be occasions where it'll, have, it'll take me like a second to go, okay, it's Tuesday. Yep, 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 good. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes it'll be like, Man, this doesn't feel like May. This yeah, this feels like March or mm. possibly June. I mean, yeah, that's the one where I really sort of have to keep myself in check and you know, click on the phone. It's like, oh, okay, that's the date. Hmm, all right. Yeah, so yeah, time has lost all meaning. Not going <laughs> to no. lie, um, going back to work has been, um, it's been sort of like a blessing. I didn't want to go back, but going back has sort of made me find my routine again. So it's, yeah. it's, it, I, I somehow I, I feel like somewhat normal, which is which is it's a nice feeling, and it's just good to actually be surrounded by other people. As silly as that imagine, sounds in in a pandemic. No, no, I imagine you're right. I mean, yeah, I think what's affecting a lot of people, and the listeners out there may agree with this, that uh, yeah, sort of having that line of that d- divides work from home or work from the rest of your life, having that sort of erased. I think that they can do a bit of a number on you. So, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, returning to some degree of normality or um, some degree of routine, as you put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that absolutely uh, that absolutely helps. And what's been nice is I um, invested in a new lens. So, for all this time, I've been wanting a, a new camera lens where it's, it's called a, a 24 to 70 mil lens. So, it means you can film things that are a bit closer. Because I only had a 70 to 200, which was a really good zoom lens, but it was hard to film shit. But now that I bought this new lens, I'm finally able to film some nerd daddies with little Elliot, and it's been great. I'd noticed they have gone up online. Um, I believe they are proving quite popular. Everybody loves that Elliot. Yes, not me, Elliot. Not, so, not, not so much, not Dando so much, but. <laughs> monetizing my son at the age of 18 months. <laughs> Why else would you have kids? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, you know what, though? This episode, I'm an absolute sucker for Christmas episodes. I'm just a big kid when it comes to Christmas time. And it was just nice to have a somewhat wholesome episode in what has been a shit period of our lives. Look, I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm a... I'm a fan of Christmas as well. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Christmas guy. I mean, if, we, if we're going to be talking about favourite uh, holiday periods of the year, Easter is mine. And not just because of the chocolate. 
You like like just settling down with a moving marathon and hot cross buns and shit, yeah? Pretty much, yes. On Good Friday, that's uh, make Good Friday Great Friday is my is my yes. motto. But look, I'm, <laughs> I'm partial to I'm partial to Christmas. Having said that, I wasn't mad on this episode. I mean, look, I didn't hate it, but it just felt like you know, there's not a lot here. This is um, this is uh, to use a, a pretty laboured analogy. This is the pair of socks you get as a Christmas present. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, they're nice socks; they're not bad, and I'll probably get I'll probably get use out of them. But uh, I don't know. I you know I would have liked uh, you know a new bike or something else. But uh, look, what, what about Gary Coleman? It was fantastic. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, look, this maybe outs me as a person who is just bereft of heart and soul. I'm not a huge Gary Coleman guy either. I was never that big on different strokes when I was growing up. And I don't know. Gary always seemed a little one note to me. He was yeah. uh, that. That's that's a pretty a pretty cold and cruel thing to say, I'm sure. But uh, what I, what I liked about it though is that he was willing to take the piss out of himself in this. He he certainly did. But uh, I, I mean, have, I, that man, my favorite moment. I know I've skipped way ahead, but my favorite moment is him having a phone call with himself. <laughs> I must admit that <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in here that was a bit sort of let's say bleak. I mean, the whole roundup at the end where, you know, uh, the great Clarence Clements uh, from the E Street mm. Band uh, acts as narrator and uh, basically does a bit of a riff on uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I mean, when you cut to Mo and he's got his head in the oven with a <laughs> sign on his back saying, no funeral. Um, <laughs> Which is so funny. That, yeah, that, but that, that, that but shot that's, gets used so much for memes. Oh, absolutely. But also, you know... The bit with yeah with Coleman talking on the phone is like oh yeah it's a bit sad for this guy maybe it's because I don't know, I mean I I wasn't pursuing stories about Gary Coleman in the tabloid press or anything like that but occasionally something came up it's like mm, yeah things didn't go too well for Gary after different strokes and all that kind of stuff he didn't invest his money wisely or he got ripped off or whatever had to actually work as a security guard at some yeah, stage I know. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so I don't know maybe I just. <laughs> I think I've got a combination of like, eh, look, you're not my particular cup of tea, Gary Oldman. Uh, sorry, Gary. <laughs> Gary Oldman, Gary I Oldman. like. <laughs> Gary Oldman, I like. Gary Coleman, I can take a leaf. Um, Gary Coleman in Fifth Element. <laughs> or him in like Batman Begins as Commissioner Gordon. Um, what you talking about, Bruce? <laughs> what you talking about, Joker? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good Coleman. You do, you do a good Gary. Uh, yeah, so it's a combination of like my yeah, slight disinterest in him, and just the fact that he's he's a bit of a shed, a sad showbiz story. Yeah, in fact, there are a really lot of was. sort of a lot of sad showbiz stories came out of different strokes, as far as I can tell. I mean, certainly, certainly for the kids. I mean, I think Willis, I think Todd Bridges did it tough there for a while. I think Crack mm. got a hold of him, and uh, I think Dana Plato. What was the what was the her character's name? Kimberly? I, I think she was I Kimberly. I can't remember, but she went way off the rails, apparently. She went off the rails. I don't know if she ended up doing porn. I think she may have... I'm currently on a work laptop, so I won't check that just yet. <laughs> good, good thinking, good thinking. Uh, you've got Google people, by all means, you know, um, check out if she actually did go into Playboy or, you know, even Hustler. I think it was probably Playboy. Um, one, one, what I did like about this, though, besides the Gary Coleman and whatnot, was that all the Christmas episodes up to this point have been... Bart-centric episodes where Bart has ruined Christmas in some way. So, in the first episode, he gets the tattoo and they have to spend the family savings to get the tattoo removed. Um, you've got the 
um, episode Marge being not proud where he steals the Bone Storm game and gets caught and then Marge is really upset with him and sort of ruins Christmas. Then in the Miracle on Evergreen Terrace, he accidentally burns down the Christmas tree. So it's always Bart ruins Christmas in some way. With this one, took a completely different angle. So it was just refreshing. That would that would be a pleasant change. I mean, I think there's only so many times you can go to the Bart Ruins Christmas well. 100%, yeah. But still, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can completely understand why you didn't like it. I enjoyed it. It wasn't the greatest of the season, but I, I still enjoyed it. It was just basically, it was just a satire of the commercialization of Christmas. Sort of following the, you know, that that hot toy concept, sort of like the um the Turbo Man from Jingle All the Way, yeah. like where every Christmas there's that that one toy. I mean, when I was growing up, you had the Tickle Me Elmos, and it was the the Furbies. I think last year of Disney had of you know leaked the the Baby Yoda in time, had it, or Mandalorian had oh, it was a little yeah. bit earlier. Baby Yoda would have been everywhere under the Christmas tree around the world. Like, I think every single Christmas tree, or at least at least fifty to sixty percent of the world, the Christmas trees in the world would have had a Baby Yoda underneath them last year. Oh yeah, your detail would have been all over the shop, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> and he still might be this year, but just not. It, it won't be as fresh and hot as what he was last year. You know, what I mean, can, can you no. imagine if there was a you know, a life size Baby Yoda talking plush or something that which is coming out soon, available pop culture. Um, <laughs> but smoothly can, played, mate. But can you imagine if that was in time for Christmas last year? It would have been huge. You would have had so many happy children just cuddling their Yoditos, happy oh. Dandos, and, ha- and and happy children <laughs> at heart, of course, Dando. <laughs> hey, my favorite. I mentioned before my favorite moment being Gary Coleman's phone call with himself. I also did love um, Lenny smashing the door down because he didn't want to wait for the toy. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was your favorite moment? Uh, look, I am always very, very happy when Fat Tony shows up. I'm a big yeah. fan of Joe Montagna. It wasn't a line in this particular episode, but um, one line of Fat Tony's that I've always sort of used or just sort of say to amuse myself whenever it's like, where is the money? My wife is always asking, <laughs> where is the money? <laughs> and so, um, the money. <laughs> but the, actually, so I was, that was one of my favourite things. My other favourite thing was, and this is something I've noticed about The Simpsons. I mean, this, I didn't remember much about Grift of the Magi before actually re-watching this episode. But something that had always stuck with me, and I'd forgotten it was in this episode, was um, Chief Wiggum's impression of Ed Sullivan. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just look really big, really big shoe, really really big shoe. Yeah, really that's big. it, <laughs> <laughs> really big. And for some reason, that had always lingered with me because you know, you have something where you just say it for the fun of it, and it just makes you feel good to say it. It just oh, feels yeah. good in your mouth. Yeah, just. I mean, I don't do an Ed Sullivan impersonation. I mean, I, I I don't know if many of our listeners would know who Ed Sullivan was beyond the odd reference on The Simpsons. I mean, he was like a, he brought the Beatles to America. He brought the Beatles to America. That's right. He had his uh, he had his sort of um, Tonight Show. For some reason, yeah, I'd always just loved Chief Wiggum doing Ed Sullivan. So, and I'd find myself on occasion just saying, "Really big shoe," really and, big. and you're going to say the really big afterwards as well. Really big. <laughs> and then when it popped up in this episode, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't take much to cheer me up. But uh, I, I find that with the, with these later episodes, or I say later, it's only season 11, but I find with these ones like post-Golden Era that occasionally a line pops up and you, you just always thought that it was part of like the first, say, 10 seasons, but it yeah. wasn't. Sort of like Stupid Sexy Flanders. and <laughs> Yeah. So that one might probably my two favourites, the fact that yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe Montagna showed up as Fat Tony. Um and that we got the Ed Sullivan impression from Chief Wiggum. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. All right, I'm going to kick off this week. Is that okay, Mr. Davis? 
Uh, oh, yeah, fine, go ahead. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, which act is Springfield Elementary almost in compliance with? Oh, um, did it have a, like a long sort of technical name or was it just the, like the Disability it was Act the of- Americans with Disabilities Act of 1975. Oh, I, I knew it was something, I knew it had disability in it, but the rest of it, no. Nah. So, yep. yeah, I'm going to take the L on that one. Zero points to G. Davis. <laughs> oh, okay then. Let's try and level this up. Mm. Fat Tony's Construction Company, what is its name? Ah, shit. Valdazzo Brothers Olive Oil? That is correct, 100%. <laughs> well done. What three things were the ramps made of? Breadsticks, mm-hmm. shellac. Shellac, yes. And paint? Paint, well done, sir. <laughs> nice. righty. What's okay. your next question? What are the three charities that um, Mr. Burns would was basically ignore and get quite uh, uh, snarky about. What three charities? Ah, oh, yes. No idea. I can't remember. Damn it. Homer points out that they are. He'll, he'll release the hounds on feed the children. Oh, yeah. Save the whales. Even release the hounds. <laughs> <laughs> I did love Burns's focus. <laughs> it's a it's a play, sir. <laughs> uh, what was Lisa caught working on in class? Oh, was it just maths or was oh yeah. Venn diagrams? Well done. Because I'm a sucker for a good Venn diagram. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I will occasionally... A good humorous Venn diagram is, is, will just give me a good belly laugh, I must say. I find them, most whims- I find them very whimsical japes. Um, I occasionally link to a few on my Facebook page, and I'm going to start sharing a few with the patrons. Because you, de- you deserve to be as, as amused as I am, folks. 100%. When uh, Millhouse is... At, well, when the kids are asked about the perfect toy and the traits that it should have... Milhouse uh, is has a lot of opinions about its eyes. What are the three things that he thinks the eyes should be? Oh, I can't remember, but it's hilarious. Can you go back to me? <laughs> <laughs> what were they? Uh, they were telescopes. Oh, periscopes. Yes. Uh, microscopes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which basketball player was in the Krusty the Clan Christmas special? I was going to ask something along these lines, so... Um, uh, I will tell you that it is Patrick Ewing. That is correct, as, who has been a big part the of the Michael Jordan documentary currently on uh, Netflix. I've got to start watching The Last uh, the last Dance. Last you Dance? You do. It's fucking, once you start, you won't stop, man. It's great. Well, let's wrap this up so I can go watch some, uh, some Netflix. <laughs> now, you mentioned Clarence Clemens before, actually. Yeah, he was a narrator. Here's one extra trivia question for you. Oh. Which TV show did he first appear on? Because he's appeared on many shows throughout the years. Which one was the first one for him to appear on? I have absolutely Mid- no idea. Mid-80s. Mid-80s. Hmm. Sitcom. Kind of relevant to this episode. <laughs> oh, let's see. Different strokes. Oh, my God. For real? Yeah. Oh. what did Was he just... A, did he appear as himself or was he... Uh... No, I think he, play, he played a character of some kind. He didn't play himself. But, yeah, Different Strokes in 1985 he was. Yeah, I kept forgetting that Clarence would occasionally pop up in other things. I mean, he was—he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, wasn't he? He was. Yes, he definitely was. Yeah, I can't mm. wait for number three to eventually come out when they start releasing movies again. Indeed, indeed. I, I was a big fan of Clarence Clements, and um, actually, I, I saw Springsteen live um, twice actually when he came out to Australia, and the first time I saw him was not long after Clarence Clement died, and. Um, 
Springsteen sort of he did, did a bit of a tribute. I'm sure he was doing a tribute to Clarence Clemens every night, but I mean, it was clear that he just had so much love and respect and affection for the guy and that he really missed him and missed what he not just missed what he brought to the stage but just missed being around him it was yeah. a it was a i mean it was a fantastic concert i mean if we ever have concerts again and if bruce springsteen ever comes out uh, again look for love or money do what you can to go see him the dude was like 63 years old when i saw him and he put on a three-hour show and did not slow down once it was incredible yeah, I've but, heard it's uh, like at least at least three hours. It's it's amazing. Yeah, Paul, Paul yeah, McCartney but, went for over three hours, but obviously he's sitting at a piano for sometimes and whatnot. But um, but yeah, yeah they, they, mean, they, these old rock stars they know how to put on a show, don't they? Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the whole um, yeah, his whole tribute to, to Clarence Clemens was just uh, it was really touching, uh, incredibly moving. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of Clarence Clemens. So it was nice to hear his hear his dulcet tones over the end of this. But let's not you know, dwell on the end. Should we go back to the very beginning and maybe uh, go through this episode? Or do you have other stuff that you'd like to talk about first? Well, well we, we had this little thing called the uh, the new name segment, Mr. Davis. Oh, okay, <laughs> fine. Yes, yes, yes. From this day forward, your name shall be... New names for this week. Now, before we get into the new names, just need to remind you guys that this week's show is brought to you by our $20 patrons, Jordan, Mom and Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, and our new man, Chris Malion. 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 Chris Malion. Oh, Malion. <laughs> hero, heroes, one and all. Thank Absolute you so much. legends. Yes, thank you so much for your support, guys. It's truly appreciated. And also, a shout-out to our new $5-plus patrons. We've got uh, Matthew Bezalek and Bella. Thank you so much for your support, guys. Also, don't forget, uh, we've been mentioning throughout the last few weeks that Talking Seinfeld is available exclusively on Four Finger Discount Patreon page. But if you don't want to fork out the money to uh, listen to Talking Seinfeld, that's okay because it's now available for free but we've gone, we're gone right back to the start. So we're currently in season two on Patreon. We're talking Seinfeld. But if you go to talk, uh, talkingseinfeld.podb.com, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. You'll be able to find Talking Seinfeld where we've got the, the intro episode where we just talk about our love for the show, as well as the review of Seinfeld Chronicles. They are available right now for free at talkingseinfeld.podbean.com. So if you want to check out Talking Seinfeld, do so. I highly uh, suggest that if you're a fan of the show, you will appreciate the uh, the podcast. It's just a great excuse to go back and watch one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. So yeah, if you like Seinfeld, check out Talking Seinfeld, talkingseinfeld.podbean.com. But now we have the new name segment. So I'll run through the leaderboard before Guy runs through his, his notable mentions and his top three for the week. So in third position, we have Jimmy Farouja on seven. In second position, one point more than Jimmy, we have Andrew Parker on eight. And number one on 10 points... Is gear, gear. Got right, Harry Hill. So, what have we got? What have we got this week, Mister Davis? I just want to first of all congratulate you on that marvelous, convincing, persuasive spiel about uh, about Seinfeld. By all means, listen to it, folks. Um, I can't believe you said it's. First of all, yeah, never say it's not okay to not spend money. Spend money. <laughs> no, but by all means, listen to Seinfeld. But now it's time. You're right for new titles. Um, look, a few, one or two honourable mentions in here, and also a request. From our pal Alistair Dunnock, or Dunnock, uh, but he has um, come up with a little little song stanza that he has requested that I sing. I don't know why he wants this, but uh, I'm happy to. Uh, anything for you, Alistair. Anything for you, mate. Um, so here we go. Uh, either turn up the volume or <laughs> unplug your headphones accordingly. Everybody have fun so tonight. Gary Coleman Wang Chung tonight. That's 
There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Alistair, oh, if you want to if you want to write a whole song, I will happily sing it for you for a for a small fee. <laughs> here, here we go. So if you want to be a new uh fifty dollar patron, Guy will sing your song for you. <laughs> yes indeed. <laughs> All right. I know. I enjoyed that. Thank you, sir. Oh, no worries. It's my pleasure. Look, before we get to the three, two, one of it all, uh, Mark Boston Burgess uh, actually came up with um, another sort of uh, riff on a song. Uh, this one was Bad Toys, Bad Toys, What You Gonna Do? It's a little long for a title. It's good. You're not, you're not wrong. To which Keith Nettam came up with a very up-of-the-moment reply, Bad Toys for Life, a riff on Bad Boys for Life, <laughs> the, which is now available, I think, on streaming or... Uh, disc or well, you can you can find it somewhere. But anyway, let's uh, let's go to the whole three, two, one. And actually, Mark Boston Burgess is one point uh, Ooh, this round. Position. Yes, for away in a coal manger. So eh, you got a away in a coal manger. I don't know. You got to do a little uh, a little twisting and turning to sort of get it just right. But I like the wordplay in it. So uh, that's his one first point. appearance on the leaderboard. One point to Mark Boston Burgess. He, he had an honourable mention and a, and a point. So welcome to the leaderboard, Mark Boston Burgess. Is he paying you on the side? Absolutely not. He's paying me up front. <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying Mark Boston Burgess. It, um, sounds, like a, it sounds like a hamburger place. It <laughs> <laughs> Boston Burgess. Come down to Boston Burgess. In the number two spot, our old pal, Andrew Parker. Also, before we name, before we... Shout out the the two point uh, winning uh, entry. He also gets a honourable mention for Prawn Galaxy Quest. Yeah, oh, I like it. Good. It's not bad. It's not bad. But you know, I've never seen Galaxy Quest in full. Oh, dude, for real? Delightful fun, is it? Sounds sounds like you didn't tell me it was a good movie. <laughs> it's a effing great movie. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, Galaxy Quest is 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 very very beloved by um yes people of. Not just you know tasteless people like me, but people of great taste. I mean, you've got Tim Allen. That's the thing. It's that and Toy Stories. Oh, and the Toy Stories. Uh, Yeah, probably the best things that. Yeah. Otherwise, you could probably write Tim Allen off as just you know. uh, Yeah, you had that dumbass sitcom, and uh, you know you can you make uh, you know coke dealer jokes about him and all that kind of stuff. But he's got the Santa Claus movies. Okay, if you're oh yeah, feel good Christmas film, but. He's got the he's got Buzz Lightyear and he's got Galaxy Quest. Oh yeah, Galaxy Quest is an absolute winner. I don't know if you've got it. Uh, oh, I've got it. I've got it on Blu-ray actually. I've never actually opened it. It's just one of those films that I I bought because I'm like I have to watch this one day and just haven't had the time or just I'll make the effort. Don't worry, I'll make sure I've seen it by the next time we record next week's podcast. Absolutely, you and Nicola should sit down and watch. I think Nicola would enjoy it as well. Okay, cool. All right. Now, Prawn Galaxy Quest is an honourable mention, but two points goes to Andrew Parker's Mob the Builders. Mob the Builders. <laughs> not, not bad, bad like is it. it? Nothing to do with Christmas. He's taking it's, a completely it, different angle. Yeah, it, it's, it, he's, he's approached it from a highly, uh, a wholly different angle. Good on him. Although and Bob the Builder toys were the fucking hot thing one Christmas when I was younger. Really? Did yeah, you get one? Met, no, no. I was never into it. I think I was a little bit too old, but it was sort of like, I think my sister, she was like right into the Teletubbies and he was the, he was like the next thing after Teletubbies, I think. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah, they were huge, man. They were indeed. So that means Andrew Parker is now tied in first position with Gearoid. Mm. Mm. Now the at, the, at the top of the dais this time around. Now, yes. this may be his first appearance, but it's Tim McFarlane. 
Yeah, we don't have him on the leaderboard yet. No. Okay, well, he's coming out strong with three points for a lump of Coleman in your stocking. It's Christmas-related. It's Coleman-related. I'm it's, glad it's, there's someone with Coleman in the title because I wanted Coleman yeah. to get a, get some mentions. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Mark Boston Burgess. Let me just say that again, name again. Mark Boston Burgess. Um, did say away in a Coleman joke. Yes. So, yeah, 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 close enough. But, yeah, this is a lump of Coleman in your stocking. I'm a big fan of it. Three points. Tim McFarlane, welcome to the leaderboard, son. That means that we currently have tie first position with Gear on 10 and Andrew Parker on 10. It means Jimmy Ferruja has taken out second place outright on seven. And that means in third position, I guess we've got Christopher Darby on five points. Wow. He's worked his way up into the top three. Well done, sir. It We're is doing neck anything. and neck. It <laughs> is tight. It is... It's anybody's race at this uh, at this stage of the proceedings. We're only up to like episode nine or ten or whatever of the season. So we're only at the halfway mark, and Gear had a strong lead there for a while, but Andrew has caught up. We're keeping things interesting, I tell you. Yes, we are. All right, guys, thank you for contributing to the new name segment. Remember, if you want to contribute to that, be a part of the Four Finger Discount group and get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts. Just going to be a Four Finger Discount patron for as little as $1 per month, you get access to those podcasts. All right, coming up after the break, we've got our review of Grift of, is it Magi or Magi? I think it's Magi. I'm going to put on my comic book uh, guy voice afterwards and uh, give you a little bit of a history lesson as to what it all means. Okay, I look forward to that. <laughs> no, you don't. Hey, guys, Dando here. No uh, ad this week. I just wanted to take this time just to uh, thank you all. It's now been just last week five years since we started this podcast, and the fact that you guys have stuck around for so long and continue to tune in each and every week, it truly means the world to me. I appreciate each and every one of you who continue to download and listen in each week, um, yeah, you're all absolute legends. I just wanted to remind you guys how much I appreciate you all out there listening. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy our review of Grift of the Magi. The original air date of Grift of the Magi was December 19th, 1999, so just before Christmas. Uh, the chalkboard gag, I will not sell my kidneys on eBay. Because see, at this point, eBay was still sort of up and coming and people didn't really trust it, did they? Not really, no. I mean, even at this stage, Amazon was kind of like... Eh, buying I'm, online in general. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm going to give you my credit card details and you'll send me a book? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't like this it, guy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I trust this Jeff Bezos fella. And the catch gag was that Homer gets stuck on... Do we say a stripper pole or a fireman's pole? I was going to say fire station pole, but do you yes, know, your mileage may vary. You can view it as a stripper pole if you like, Dando. The episode kicks off with the family watching a Kent Brockman news report on... Oh, no, it was just the kids watching it on the um, on the sun being extra, extra hot today. Yes, indeed. The, the hole in the ozone layer that normally loiters around Brazil has made its way to Springfield. Oh, yeah. now before we get underway, would you like to hear my history lesson about the Magi? I would. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, the Magi were the three wise men who visited uh, Jesus in the manger when he was born. Ah, yes. Well, well yeah, you're definitely right. That is Grift of the Magi, then. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. But uh, And also, that that's where we get Christmas presents from, because they rocked up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh for the newborn uh, Jesus H. And um, that's where we got our notion of Christmas presents from, apparently. Well, there you go. Yes. But also, there's a thing, there was a, a short story called The Gift of the Magi, written by uh, a... Uh, 
an author named O. Henry, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a little heartbreaker actually. It's a you know you got this couple. I think they're Jim and Della who love each other very much, but you know times are tough. They haven't got much money. Christmas is coming up. They want to get each other a lovely gift. Um, Jim has this antique pocket watch that uh, I think was left to him by his dad or something, but you know he's got no chain for it. Della has this lovely long hair, and um, that's kind of you know her distinguishing feature or whatever. Jim sells his watch to buy Della these lovely combs for her hair. Meanwhile, Della has cut off her hair, sold it to a wig maker or whatever, so she can oh, no. buy Jim a uh, a chain for his pocket watch. Oh no! And they realise it, and it's like, oh, we did these. And but you know, the the moral of the story is we love each other so much we're willing to sacrifice, you know, these possessions that we had to make each other happy. It's actually a really sweet story. Yeah, it sounds pretty sweet. It sounds like a tearjerker. It is indeed, but that's that's where yeah. But the title "Grift of the Magi" is a bit of a riff on "Gift of the Magi." Yes. So there we so there we go. Uh, there, there's your vegetables, kids. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the episode. So Millhouse has um, escaped into the sisters' house. They're all bored. Don't want to play any board games. Uh, I also I loved I loved the, you know you couldn't let, you couldn't get outside because it was so hot. Uh, you would get terribly sunburned unless you had like uh, Robin Williams level of hair. On your body, <laughs> he was a hairy, sweaty man. He, he was a he was a hairy, hairy gent. And believe me, hair does not stop you from getting sunburned. However, I say this as a hairy gent myself. <laughs> Do you have a hairy chest? I don't have much hair on my chest. I have a bit, but not much. I'm not a hairy man. Oh, I'll I'll be straight up, kids. I've got hair on the on the front, on the back, on the shoulders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> on the shoulders. I've got, I've got, That's great. I've got none of I've got none on my head. <laughs> well, I've I've got little wisps on my head, but uh, it all migrated to uh, to my back and my shoulders and my and my uh, uh, chest and belly. Did you sell your hair so your lovely Louise could have a chain for a pocket watch? <laughs> I shaved off my I shaved my back and then you know, gave that to someone. It's like give me give me ten bucks for that. <laughs> <laughs> give me ten dollars for my back hair. Um, where were we? Oh yeah, so the the, the boys decide they're going to wear Marge's clothes, and Homer walks in. We get a little bit of a, a a line here that doesn't really age well. I want a non-gay explanation. <laughs> I um, did notice, however, that uh, yes, when Bart was trying on, uh, uh, was I'm assuming it's Marge's clothing. Um, yes, yeah. That he uh, he does that uh, that purr that we heard from Homer last week in the last episode. Mm, so that purr yes. rrr, tends to uh, clearly runs in the family. Do you just do that just to turn on all the listeners, or I do, but also myself. You know, I mean. <laughs> There's only so many times you can say really big shoe. <laughs> sometimes really big. So sometimes you've got to do that. It it feels good though. It's it feels good on your tongue and in your mouth. It feels good for me just hearing you say it. <laughs> okay, one more. Bart falls onto the bowling ball and breaks his. What's he? What's he break? He's coccyx. Yeah, coccyx. Breaks his butt break, bone. Breaks his bum. Clear. Why are you doing that? Oh, it's good for the batteries. Now, I'm afraid your son has cracked his coccyx. <laughs> Sorry, how long will he take to recover? He'll have to wear this fanny cast for quite some time. But don't worry, son, it fits snugly under your clothes. Do all these people have to watch me? Now, son, this is a teaching hospital, which is why I equipped the seat of your cast with a viewing window. Oh, my. Oh, no, that's I should something. exercise more. This reminds me of a mate who he had to go to hospital uh, last year because his testicles twisted, right? Ugh. And so, so he's laying in bed with no like, no pants or anything on, 
and he's got like just the the blanket over the top, but they lift it up, and there was like this. He was at the hospital waiting to get sort of looked at, and this group of like students came past of at least. Oh. You reckon, he said there's at least ten students, and they just stood there at the end of the bed, looking at his downstairs, just writing things on clipboards. He said it was the most uncomfortable thirty seconds of his life. Just being having, just just people looking at his wiener and just judging it. <laughs> having said that, I mean, I think they're able to sort of detach. Well, hopefully not detach the wiener, but. Um, <laughs> If any, if I was going to have a group of people staring at my junk, I would want it to be medical professionals or at least medical professionals in training. Oh yeah, it's like last week when I got the, the test for the um for the cancer. Like she was a female doctor and she was just holding things and moving things around. It's just like it means nothing. She's just it's her job. Yeah, it's like a mechanic. You know, yeah. they just they're doing a lube and an oil change on you. So, um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know what that means. Um, I did like that. Well. <laughs> A few, a few, a few things about this visit to Doctor Hibbert that I did like. I did like that they did defib on the butt. Um, I thought that was <laughs> they've got out the defibrillator for the butt, and I did like that everybody. Well, not Maggie, but even Marge laughed at Coxix because you know it sounds like cock. Um, <laughs> I loved when they took off the um the ass like they made the little viewing window. The guy's yeah. like, he he should work. He should exercise more. <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> a nice little throwaway. <laughs> Bart, stop fooling around. Principal Skinner, I thought public schools were required to have access ramps for the disabled. Technically, yes, but the building costs would be astronomical. Did I hear the word astronomical? If so, my construction outfit, Valdazzo Brothers Olive Oil, is poised to help. No, 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 no. We're not building anything. How can you say that when construction has already begun? How did those trucks get here so fast? In order to avoid certain legal complications, the trucks are always rolling. Now for the groundbreaking ceremony. Good Lord, do we really need all those ramps? Who's to say? Does a peacock need all those feathers? Look, you're getting a little philosophical for me. I suppose so. They say it happens in the autumn years. Well, be that as it may. Get your hand off my car. (laughs) How incredibly fun do all these ramps look? It looked fantastic. It looked like uh, it looked like um, an amusement park. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know how you would actually use ed- what two thirds of them, but they looked great. They they looked marvelous, but they they did not last long. I don't think anyone actually used any of them before. No. It just uh, yeah, before they uh, just disintegrated. Taking the school with them. It's the uh, it's the grand opening. Unfortunately, Bart is no longer a, in a, need a, of a wheelchair. So Skinner's like, oh, what are we going to do? Now? What's the point of this? They he bangs on the, I think he bangs on the wall. He taps, he taps on the uh, the ramp, and it just completely falls mm-hmm. apart. Unfortunately, though, even though they've just fallen apart, there's nothing left of them. They still owe the mafia two hundred thousand dollars. Indeed, and you have to pay because you know Fat Tony doesn't get mad; they get stabby. That's a pretty iconic Fat Tony line right there. <laughs> <laughs> so the school is closed, and pretty, and the the school district is pretty much broke because yes, they've had to fork out two hundred k to Fat Tony and Associates. The good news is we need no longer fear vicious mob reprisals. But due to lack of funds, Springfield Elementary is closed forever. <laughs> Oh, you're cheering now, but someday you're... I'm just going to stop trying. Skinner meets with all the parents and all the people of Springfield to discuss how they, what they're going to do going forward, how the kid's going to learn and whatnot. I love Homer's, where are the refreshments? I told you they're <laughs> over there. 
Is it a is it a crepe station? I don't know what exactly they have over there. It looks very sort of highbrow. They've got the the setup Consider- they've got there. Considering they've got no money, yeah. Then yeah. Mo, Mo suggests about selling alcohol works for me. He's got no shoes on. <laughs> it's like, why you why you don't like my bags? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody has any good ideas, and then someone suggests that uh, they try and borrow money from Mister Burns or ask Mister Burns for a donation. And Homer says, no, that's not a good idea at all. But then Skinner suggests, how about we, we convince him with a good old-fashioned play? Welcome to the world premiere of The Nice Man Giveth. Focus! It's a play, sir. Hmm, which one of these is the salt? Too bad I'm an idiot because my school closed. Oh, well. No, that's the red poison. And freeze. Now, who in Springfield will eat the poisoned broth? Oh, it could be anyone, even Mr. Burns. This play really speaks to me. Woo, 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 woo! I can't take Mr. Burns to the hospital because I'm too dumb to read a map. Oh, why did my school have to close? Mm. Hello, I'm Dr. Stupid. I'm going to take out your liver bones. Ah, oops, you're dead. I never liked that Dr. Stupid. Mr. Burns, I'll be honest. We had a hidden agenda tonight. <gasps> no! The holiday season is approaching, and these children need a school. Charity, eh? Yes, I'd be more than happy to... <laughs> oh, it's doing that thing again. Burns loves his trapdoors, doesn't he? But they never seem he to work. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still wrapping my head around the physics of that. Look, I was I was quite partial to the play, The Nice Man Giveth, a play on the Ice Man Cometh, a play by Eugene O'Neill. They're pretty kids. convincing. More, more vegetables for you. Um, yeah, especially Ralph as. Hi, I'm Doctor Stupid. I'm going to take out your liver bones. <laughs> and I love the, I love the the, the cutaway to Mister Benson. I never liked that Doctor Stupid. <laughs> Oh man! All right, but it's all for naught. They they they're not getting any money out of, uh, no. out of Mr. Burns. They're they're watching the Spanish version of Judge Judy now. Bumblebee Man is Judge Judy in this in this show, but it's his ex-wife who was the plaintiff. She um she leaves him in twenty two short films about Springfield, and now she's obviously oh. divorcing some other schmo. Yeah, I I did not know that. Uh I, I am not up to speed with the uh, the history of Bumblebee Man. I'm sorry to say, or the romantic history of Bumblebee Man. So that was that's eye opening, Dan. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> that's that's my vegetables for this week. <laughs> <laughs> they get a news report um, of Kid First Industries have decided they're going to reopen the school. They're going to fund it and get things going again. And they've given a severance package to Skinner. They are juice oranges. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he wasn't a fan of those Valencias. No. Uh, <laughs> now, do we get Tim Robbins here? As uh, Jim Hope. Yes, the CEO or the head of uh, Kid, F- Kid First Industries. He reminded um, me of that, that substitute teacher who was just an absolute legend. You knew you weren't going to learn anything, but you're going to have a great time. Yes, not really that concerned with uh, yeah, the curriculum or anything like that. Just, you know, wants to make learning fun. Oh, but he's got an ulterior motive. He encourages Bart's jokes and just Bart absolutely adores him. Um, he starts kicking the books. <laughs> he's breaking Bart's books at a sixth grade level. Good on him. <laughs> He's, he's rekindled my love of books. So Bart has um, Bart started kicking books at home. Um, the homework is bring a toy. I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're yeah, it's it's fairly obvious early on though that you know there's something a bit up, sus yeah. going on. Yes, yeah. There's no 
not even the slightest scintilla of effort at all with education. It's basically just market research, using the kids as a focus group, and uh, yeah, asking about the perfect toy and getting a lot of conflicting advice from the from the kids. How about the rest of you? What do you like about those toys of yours? They're special. They're challenging. Very good. Now I want you all to imagine the perfect toy. What would it be like? It should be soft and cuddly. Yeah, with lots of firepower. Its eyes should be telescopes. No, periscopes. No, microscopes. Can you come back to me? It should be full of surprises. It should never stop dancing. It should need accessories. Now that's market research you can take to the bank, the money bank. Yeah, and we get this. We get the reveal once they're having a class discussion about their favorite toys. That Lindsay Nagel is back there. Talking about um, how they're going to use this research to uh, build the, the ultimate toy for Christmas. The only question I have for this episode is that it's obviously close to Christmas at this point, right? Yep. So, how in God's name did they get these toys designed, manufactured, and released in time for Christmas? You have, you have clearly spent too much time at pop culture. I work the in the toy industry. Sort of- I know. That's a fucking 18-month process. Yeah, the tur- <laughs> the, yeah, the turnaround is just not that quick. But uh, I don't know. I trust Lindsay Nagel. I mean, she's <laughs> she gets the job done. She gets the job done, and I must admit, I laugh. Like, I laugh probably more than I should have. Had. You can take that to the bank, the money bank. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just one uh, of those one of those dumb lines that you can't help but love. Fun toys are fun. Well said, Ralph. But we're trying to come up with a name for a toy. Mrs. Fun, not bad. Fun, Ralph. There are no right or wrong answers, but if you don't pipe down, I'm giving you an F. The before teacher yelled at me, too. No one's yelling. We're just brainstorming names. Lisa, any ideas? Oh, a uh, name with fun. Um, Fungus, Funzo, Attila the Fun. Lisa, are you doing math? Uh, just a few Venn diagrams. There's more under her chair. Poor Lisa's just trying to, to learn something, and they're just not letting her. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's uh, also pretty quick on the draw. You know, when, when asked for a, a, a fun name, she comes up with, well, she comes up with a till of the fun that I thought was pretty good. But also, yeah, drops the name Funzo. Yeah, it just slides it in there. It doesn't get acknowledged yet, though. You know what I mean? Not just yet. Lisa is doing detention, which is, I think, the second time we've seen her writing on the chalkboard in the series run. The first time was when she got caught laughing at uh, Nelson Muntz. Bart gives her a bit of stick for that. Yeah, so Bart arrives... Uh, Hang shit on her because he's normally the one writing on the on the board. Turns a light off. Um, before she turns the light back on, she notices a light coming out from behind the chalkboard, and she yes. discovers the the secret room with the, the terrifying evil robot. Yes, in the dangerous broom cupboard. Uh, yeah. cupboard. Broom closet. <laughs> broom cupboard. I don't know. Whatever. That, that um that quote of "I see you" I've used in my life ever since whenever I'm just <laughs> playing with somebody like, I do it with Elliot all the time I see you oh, give that me kid. a hug <laughs> oh, that kid's not going to grow up warped at all <laughs> uh, Lisa gets Wiggum out from home and brings Marge and Homer to show them the dangerous brewing closet and how they're doing market research in there this better be important Lisa I left Ralphie alone in the bathtub This broom closet is not what it seems. It's a secret surveillance room guarded by a tiny evil robot. Ugh, is this going to be like one of those horror movies where we open the door and everything's normal and we think you're crazy, but then there really is a killer robot and the next morning you find me impaled on a weather vane? Is that what this is, Lisa? To be fair, not all evil robots are killers. Listen, when you see what's inside, this... (gasps) 
I don't understand. I could swear it was right here. Yeah, right, Mop Top, and I'm Ed Sullivan. <clears throat> really big shoe. No, no, I can do it better. Really big shoe. Really big. That's it. We could have stopped the episode there and I would have been happy. But <laughs> I mean, no, I, no, there's there's more to go and I'm happy about that too. Do you know, for me, I, I, I actually thought that the last act was the funniest with Gary Coleman. I thought Gary Coleman was the funniest part of this whole episode, but that's just me. Okay, well, we'll get, we're going to agree to disagree on that part, Dando, but that's all right. You know, that's <laughs> what makes a horse race, man. Uh, kids are watching the, Chris, the Krusty Christmas special and we get the, the Funzo it's commercial. It's the non-denominational holiday special, I believe. Yes, okay, yeah. And we get the uh, the Funzo commercial. I love that. If you don't have Funzo, you're nothing. I love yeah. that. that kid just throws away the puppy. <laughs> uh, and Lisa decides they're going to go, because um, she's annoyed that they've stolen the uh, her name and whatnot. They're going to go check it out. Uh, did you notice here that their headquarters is called the secret headquarters? Quarters with a glowing red neon sign. That's my yeah. <laughs> Nice work, um, kid first. Uh, and we get my favourite moment where they tiptoe past Gary Coleman as the security guard. Get down, security guard. Hey, it's Gary Coleman. But the menu said galaxy of prawns. Three prawns are hardly a galaxy. What do you mean your hands are tied? Let me talk to Mr. Kwan. I want to see how this turns out. The phone's not even plugged in. All right, you listen to me, Kwan. Hang on, I got another call. Yes, Mr. President. I can be in Washington right away. I just loved the look on the kids' faces after they realized that he's talking to himself. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought it was great. Lisa confronts Jim and Lindsay, and because he let, uh, Common let them get past, they go in and fire him. What you talk about, Miss Nick? <laughs> she realized <laughs> realize him. I just love the prior to that, though, the fucking massive scream and karate kick that Coleman did. <laughs> <laughs> Just fighting nobody because I can imagine when he became an actual security guard that this is what he would have done. <laughs> there was nothing else to do. Just trying to put the fear of God into people or the fear yeah. of Gary into people. Yeah. What, what's, what does Jim Hope say here? Something on the lines of the prophets go to children. We're somebody's children. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a nice bit of corporate justification from Jim there. Yes, I also definitely. like Jim uh, Jim and uh, Lindsay Nagel in the hot tub just checking out the. Uh, the demand for Funzo at the various yes. shops, um, including, you know, was, was it Carl who, or Lenny who broke down the door? You mentioned Lenny. Lenny smashed the window down, yeah. yeah. That's in a few moments, but, yeah. but Carl's there as well, and I think Carl's, you know, down for a fun, bit of Funzo as well. But he uh, points out, mm, only 22 seconds from muttering to door smash. <laughs> He's pretty well, happy said to be about $300 million, I believe, something along those Pretty lines. happy with those numbers, absolutely. Bart has offered a free Funzo to keep quiet, which he takes. So Bart is then at home and he's ordering all the Funzo accessories. Remember the day when you had to like order accessories through a magazine? <laughs> Do you remember? What were those Christmas hampers that used to come around every year? You, they were like, or you, you pay a, a couple of dollars each week. And then at the end of the oh, year. I want to say Crisco, but that's. Crisco, that's, that's the fucking, that's the one. Yeah, Crisco. My mum did that a couple of years because we, we didn't have much money. So she'd put some money away each week for this Crisco. And then at Christmas time, you have all this food. I think it's a it's it's a pretty rad idea. I mean, I mean, I wish I wish I had the sort of the discipline to like, you know, Christmas is coming, so you just put a few bucks aside each week, and then you can have a really rad Christmas. It's like, mm, I think I'd rather spend my money now, <laughs> and I complain at Christmas time that I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Uh, we we learn here that Funzo is programmed to attack other toys. This is the only thing that sort of just like maybe go, ah, come on, guys, when he's attacking the other toys, and their faces change. I missed that part. 
so like when he's cho- when Funzo's choking the Krusty doll, he has a choking face, and then when he's holding his head on like a pencil, or whatever, Krusty's face has gone from the normal Krusty doll face to like all depressed and sad and droopy and dead. I'm like, oh, but it's a plastic toy. <laughs> it can't, its face doesn't change. I, I don't know how to help you with that one, man. <laughs> hey, why is it destroying other toys? They must have programmed it to eliminate the competition. You mean like Microsoft? Exactly. That's a very 1999 joke about it. It is. Uh, now it would be Disney, wouldn't it? I imagine so. That or or Facebook, maybe. The maybe the irony, the irony being that Disney now owns The Simpsons or Google. Google, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon, Amazon perhaps. Amazon, yeah. Amazon's the the big one, yeah. Yeah. Um, Bart and Lisa go to warn everybody, and this is where we get Lenny breaking through the the window because nobody's absolutely no, nobody's listening. They just want to get themselves a a funzo, and this is where we get Hope and Nagel celebrating in the spa. Bart and Lisa think, what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this issue? Everyone's buying a Funzo. We can't let anyone open this present because it's going to destroy all the other toys. What can we do? They decide to get home dressed up as Santa Claus. He didn't need to be dressed up as Santa, but he did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they decide that they're going to sing carols at the front of the houses while Homer sneaks into the homes and steals all the Funzos. I love Homer's first line here. Of, okay, so who am I beating up? <laughs> <laughs> and I like that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's got his numbers straight. Well, pretty much straight. He's like, eh. Uh, gonna save three Christmases, ruined eight. Two could be a draw. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, it's just not his time of year. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, they throw all of the funzos on a tire fire. How mm. terrifying are they when they start melting? Oh yeah, I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm actually genuinely scared here. <laughs> it's a, it's a bit, it, it's a bit Terminator esque, you know, it's with the very, uh, very much like that. Yeah, like the that, faces yeah. melting, often revealing the metal skeleton underneath. Whoa. Uh, Gary Coleman arrives. What do you think of this conversation here with he and Lisa, where they sort of become like a, like a, a debate? It felt to me like the writers had run out of ideas. It, it sort of felt like they were just like, we need to wrap this up quickly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, look, I actually idea with the I, I, I agree with the idea that uh, the commercialization of Christmas is a mixed blessing. I think a lot of you know people's happy memories around Christmas is well. A lot of it has to do with oh yeah, you're spending time with your family and you're having a nice meal or whatever. I think a lot of the a lot of the precious memories of Christmas come from. Remember, they got me that really nice gift, or you know, or I got that toy that I've been really just longing for the whole year. So, yeah, I mean, you, you look, you can't throw commercialization just out the window and say no, no, the true meaning of Christmas is something else. Like, I think there's room for all of it in there. I think it's a case that a lot of sometimes people just don't want to admit that they, at some point in their life, embraced it and just choose that they, they they refuse to accept the fact that they were once sucked in by it all. It's like because they they understand that it's probably not a great thing, but it's like how about you just chill out and just enjoy yeah. yourself for a minute and just make some yeah. good memories, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the human brain in a lot of cases is is you know complicated enough and complex enough and you know savvy enough to balance a couple of ideas at one time, even if those ideas seem contradictory. Because I, I, lo- I love buying gifts for people. I, I just I just enjoy doing it. You, you will be getting a good Christmas gift this year, sir. Don't I, was you about to say, I, I love receiving gifts, so this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, and like, don't rob me of the fact that I want to buy people presents. <laughs> hmm. And nor, nor should you rob me of the fact that I like getting them. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get. You'll Clarence get something with- nice too, Dando, and and so will so will Elliot and Nicola probably, and maybe even uh, upcoming arrival, Dando four point oh. 
Yeah, then we get the, uh, the voiceover from Clarence. And so, Gary Coleman and the Simpsons argued long into the night. And then, as day broke, the spirit of the season entered their hearts. Let's just agree that the commercialization of Christmas is at best a mixed blessing. Amen. There's something you don't see every Christmas. Hey, it is Christmas. We better get home. Hey, Dad, what do you think of... Um, uh, Mr. Coleman, I've been thinking, uh, my wife always makes too much stuffing and sweet potatoes and all, and all pick. Would you like to spend Christmas with us? No way. I'm having Christmas at George Clooney's house. Gary. All right, I'll come. And Gary Coleman was as good as his word. As for old Mr. Burns, he was visited by three ghosts during the night and agreed to fund the school with some money he found in his tuxedo pants. Thank you, thank you, humbug. While Moe, seeing what the world would be like if he had never been born, pulled his head out of the oven and replaced it with a plump Christmas goose. Yeah, happy holidays, dear. Merry Christmas, Moe! Uh, listen, I kinda banged up that Jeep in the driveway. What you talking about, Moe? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, everyone? It's just, yeah, they, they tried to sort of make this as much about the um, Christmas Carol as possible in the last, like, 30 seconds of the episode. Uh, I feel like The Simpsons could do a really good take on A Christmas Carol as a whole. Have they, they ever done of, it? Have they, well, they've no, never really I, sort of done the whole Scrooge thing? No, I, I just call it a Simpsons Christmas Carol or something and just do it as like a half an hour Christmas special. I think like if the Simpsons yeah. had done that in the mid-90s, I feel like now it would be a tradition. For, I, mean, I know the first episode of the Simpsons is the Christmas mm. special and what, whatnot, but yeah. I feel like if or they even did that a mid- Even a full movie, like a, like a movie-length episode for Disney yeah. Plus or something, I reckon that would work a treat. Yeah, even if, if it just goes for an hour. Yeah, and get you know get the best talent on board to do so. I mean, you know, don't farm it out to the new kid on the writing staff. But yeah, like you do with the Simpsons movie, bring bring the original writers back and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's definitely something that the Simpsons should tackle. I th- I think so as well. People of the you know people at Gracie Films at, at Simpsons HQ, all that kind of business. You're on notice. Make a Christmas episode. <laughs> you're on notice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I mean, like I said, it's not the greatest episode. It's not the nowhere near the best Christmas episodes. We're, we're way past the best Christmas episodes now. The Simpsons. I understand you didn't enjoy it as much as I did. I just. I really liked Gary Coleman in this. I know that's, we're not going to agree on that. I just thought he was... I the, I got the most laughs out of Gary Coleman when he was doing his karate kick and whatnot. Yeah! Ha! Ugh! Ha! I'm sorry, Gary. There's no longer a place for you here. What you talking about, Miss Nagel? That is so adorable. You're rehired. <laughs> sucker. I knew exactly what she was talking about. And as I said at the start, I'm just a sucker for a Christmas episode. There's just something about them. They remind me of Christmas time and bring out the little kid of me and just make me smile. You're a sweet-natured, big-hearted fellow, Dando. So, yes, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad this uh, touched you in that special way, so to speak. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? Well, I'm allergic to prawns uh, and Ooh. all kinds of shellfish. So, um, you're allergic. Did I am. Know? Yeah, I mean, not not in a terrible way. It's not going to kill me if I eat a prawn, but it'll just sort of make my it'll make the inside of my throat itchy 
which is you know not a not a pleasant sensation. Um, so I tend to avoid prawns uh, where I can. But um, yeah, I think I think if you're offered a galaxy of uh, of something in your particular meal and you only get three of them, yes, by all means, fight for your rights. I mean, even if you're speaking to an empty phone, get your voice out there. It's like when um when we used to get KFC when we were younger, my dad would always crack the shits when he only got two drumsticks. And I was trying to explain to him, Dad, there's only two drumsticks on a chicken. Like, he's <laughs> like, I bought an eight pack. There should be at least four drumsticks. I'm like, no, Dad. You, there's, there's eight pieces of chicken per chicken. <laughs> What's, are you talking about, was this KFC that you go KF, to? KFC chicken, yeah. I am, I am attempting to make tonight... KFC nuggets from scratch. I made McNuggets. I made McNuggets the other week. How'd they turn out? Because they looked good, but did they taste all right? They tasted great. They were really good. What'd you have with mustard? Or I actually got some, um, yeah, some honey mustard sauce to to for for the dipping for the mm. dipping. Uh, but now I've discovered a KFC recipe that mm, looks look it might be legit. So I've got the chicken marinating in buttermilk as we speak. I've got my flour and. Uh, I don't know if it's 11 herbs and spices, so it's probably not going to be legit KFC. But I took a bit of a, you know, I lifted the bowl of spices up to, up to my face and took a bit of a breath. Ooh, that smells a bit Colonel Sandersy. So I'll let I'll let everyone know how it goes. I'll take a photo and put it up on the uh, on the page. But yes, I'm going to try my hand at KFC. I cannot wait to see how they turn out. My uh, my sister used to have a friend that worked at KFC, and she used to bring me home sachets of the the salts, like the the proper chicken salt. Oh. Yeah, so I'd, I'd get the um. So I used to work in the deli. We used to have the seasoning. What would you call it? Like the, what, the seasoner? I don't know what, what the little <laughs> holder that you put you tip the seasoning on the chickens with. But I'd fill it full of chicken salt and cover my chips in it. Fuck, it was good. KFC That's salt, it. man, is so great. <laughs> that does sound very nice. <laughs> it's the patron mailbag time. Patron mailbag. This week, we have got a few questions coming through. I think they're mostly toy-related, if I remember correctly. Here we go. Andrew Parker. Which toy is creepiest when without, or when without their outer coating? Anything that's animatronic, I guess. I guess so. I mean, yeah, Andrew, I'm not, I'm not a Sid from Toy Story. I'm not someone who sort of dismantles their toys all that much. Uh, I mean, I, I do remember growing up. Of course, we've had the Planet of the Apes reboot, but I mean, Planet of the Apes was a very much a, a 60s and 70s thing. I think I had like a couple of Planet of the Apes action figures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, the thing was, well, if you're a curious child like me, you didn't sort of dismantle them, but you you did want to see what was underneath the uh, the ape clothing, so to speak. So you'd strip them naked. They had an ape head, but like a human body. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, hmm, something's not quite right here. I mean, I'm a big believer in the theory of evolution, of course, but uh, yeah, this, this doesn't seem natural. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jennifer McKay says, did any toys scare you as a kid? I remember I got my, uh, a mask out of a show bag that just terrified me. And my sister would like wear it just to scare me sometimes. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember what the, what, what sort of mask was it? Like a clown? It was like a, de- it was like, it was like a, a demon with horns, like a red, kind of like, have you ever seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? I have. Kind of looked like the devil in that. Oh. Or do you know uh, in Star Wars, New Hope, that red devil-looking thing in the cantina. Oh, yeah. Kind of like that. I don't think I was ever scared by a toy as a child, to the best of my recollection. If mm, I have, I've, yeah. I've, I've suppressed that shit way down. The toys in mum and dad's drawers, maybe? Oh! <laughs> you saucy gent. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Keith Nedham says, if you had a toy that destroyed other toys, would you purposely have it destroy... 
Would you purposely have it destroy your friend's toys just because they have it and you don't? I feel like there's some sort of frustration here that uh, Keith's holding yeah. on to from when he was a child. <laughs> this feels like... Have you seen Blade Runner? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know at the very start when they're sort of... Um, where, they shoot, where the guy shoots the... Yeah, where they're asking the those moral questions. questions about, you know, you flip that tortoise on its back. Why would I do that? It's like, Keith, why would I have my <laughs> destroying toy destroy my friend's toy? Are you trying to trick me, Keith? Are you trying to make me admit that I'm a bad person? I think you might be. <laughs> uh, Dylan Haggett says, Have either of you fallen prey to a fad and look back on it and wonder what were you thinking? Um, um, buying ooh. pasta and rice about four weeks ago. <laughs> Toilet <Yeah>. paper. <laughs> I actually bought bottled water, um, which I normally don't do. I mean, we've got perfectly good shit coming out of the tap. Uh, but I was in the supermarket at the very sort of start of this whole thing when, you know, when there was no toilet paper and, um, you know, rice was stuck. Knocking old ladies out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, there was one 24-pack of bottled water left on the shelf and I thought, just in case. (laughs) And now now it's just, you know, gathering dust in, in in the back room. You've got to keep that as a reminder. Don't ever fall for this shit again. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like fads like, you know, pogs or some shit like that, I don't know. Not really. Um, I was very big into like trading cards when I was young. I mean, of course, footy cards and AFL or VFL football cards, Australian rules football cards. But uh, Star Wars cards were also pretty big. Well, I've got the Star Wars cards on the wall here in the studio. The original yeah. 1977 series. But I'll tell you one that was very big when I was a quite a young lad mm-hmm. uh, were Kiss, the band. Oh, you could yeah, get course, like, yeah. You, yeah, you could get Kiss trading cards. Did they come with bubble gum? They did come with gum. And I, I remember that the the most rare one was when Peter Chris left the band and they got Eric Carr in as the mm. drummer, uh, the Fox in as the drummer. And I think they only printed like a few of them, but I remember I got one in a pack once and I was like, oh, so dope. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was the hit of the playground for like, uh, you know, five minutes. <laughs> no, it's it's like that though, man. I mean, when you collect, I collected trading cards when I was a kid as well. They were huge in the nineties. That's that's how pop culture was born. Was our, oh yeah, my my boss Ash, he and his family went over to America and he started collecting basketball cards. And his dad went, well, that seems like a a fad that's worth capitalizing on. So he hmm. became Australia's importer of trading cards, and thus pop culture was born. Yes, indeed. But I was going to say, when you, you know, that feeling of opening up, my dad used to, when it came to footy cards, every, you know, set that would come out, my dad would buy a box of, of footy cards. And it was like our thing, we'd sit there and we'd open up all the footy cards. And that feeling when you open one up and you realize that you've got a, like a gold card, how great is it? It's pretty rad. It's a fucking, it's a Gary Abbott legend card. Holy shit. <laughs> They're worth absolutely nothing now, but man, they they were they worth a lot to you when you were a child. Well, I think this I think this folds back into what we're talking about about you know, of course you know some cards are are worth a great deal of money. Most of them are just junk, but uh, you know it's still something that uh, yeah you have a fond memory of to this day. Yes, that's it. Yep. So you know, commercialization not all bad. No, no, because it's, it's it's one of the few really like really really good memories I have growing up with my dad. Because my dad not not that we didn't get along, but it was just we yeah, had different interests and whatnot. But yeah, footy yeah. cards was, and watching wrestling—they were our two things: footy and wrestling. So um, yeah. yeah, whenever I think of getting footy cards and whatnot, I just think of opening up the packets with my dad. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 yeah. a good memory. Whatever gets you that happy place, yeah. Trust trust the journey. Trust the ride. 
That is true. All right, guys, thank you for listening to our review of what's the episode called, Mr. Davis? Gift of the Magi. Gift or Grift? Oh, Grift of the Magi. <laughs> oh. You had one job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next week we're going to be reviewing the episode Little Big Mum so don't forget guys if you like Seinfeld uh, Talking Seinfeld is now available for free it's just you know a season behind so if you want to get strapped to season 2 just going to be a patron but it's uh, talkingseinfeld.podbin.com if you want to get access to the free feed I always suggest you do it even if you're not a huge fan of Seinfeld check it out and let us know what you think maybe we'll hook you and get you interested yeah. in, uh, in Seinfeld maybe you're huge fans of us possibly I, I mean they'd be huge fans of you I don't think they'd be huge fans of me They'd be huge fans of you. No, 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 no. Everyone's here for... It's the Guy Davis show now. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's, the, it's the Dando show. Featuring Guy. <laughs> also, we've got um, the Guy and Dando show, which airs every week on uh, on Patreon. Plus, we've got... What else have we got? The Mandalorian podcast. We've got... Just, just a, Tales a, of Futurama. Futurama. We've got uh, Bonus Simpsons podcast, audio commentaries. A lot. It's all up there for as little as $1 per month to get access to some bonus podcasts. So, patreon.com slash four-figure discount if you just want some extra content in your ears. Alrighty, Mr. Davis, that just about wraps up this week. I'm going to go have some dinner. You're going to go cook some KFC nuggets. I want images. You're going to post images in the group. I will indeed. Of what these nuggets look like. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But for now, (laughs) I'm Dando. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Hope you enjoyed this really big show. Really big. Shh.